Welcome to the Brilliant Business Moms podcast, episode 122, with Sarah Kornack and Beth Ann Schwamberger. Today on the show, we're talking with Laura Roder, founder of LKR Social Media and co creator of Edgar, a social media scheduling tool that helps you to repurpose and recycle older content to help you get more use and life out of the content you have already shared. Laura has lots of great advice for us today, so let's get started. You're listening to the Brilliant Business Moms Podcast, practical business advice for startup moms. Today on the podcast, we are so pleased to welcome Laura Roder, founder and creator of MeetEdgar.com. Edgar is a social media scheduling tool that helps you get more mileage out of each post by recycling previous content. Laura created Edgar with her husband in early 2014, and since then it has rapidly gained in popularity. Laura lives with her husband and son, Hector, in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the podcast, Laura. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. So, Laura, can you start by telling us just a little bit more about yourself and how you got started in online business. Yes. So I have been working for myself for a really long time. I've only had one real job that lasted about a year and a half uh, right out of college. And then when I was 22, I was working as a junior designer at a web design agency. Actually, not a web design agency, a branding agency. Uh, so junior designer is officially the highest job title I have I have ever achieved because I dropped down at that point of the whole thing. So I was working as a designer and I, I was feeling frustrated with my job and feeling frustrated that I didn't really get to interact with the clients on the strategy side. So I thought, well, if I work for myself, I'll get to do all different parts of the business. So I quit my job and I started working for myself doing freelance web and print design. And that evolved into social media consulting, which evolved into social media training, which evolved into the social media marketing software that is Edgar, my business today. So initially, I know one of your companies that you created is called, is it LKR Media? Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Social media, yeah. Social media. Could you begin by telling us a little bit about that company, and then we'll move into what motivated you to create Edgar? Yeah, so LKR Social Media is a training business for entrepreneurs to learn about how to implement social media marketing in their business. So the angle that I've always liked to take, um, I had a program that we recently just faked out but ran for, I guess, six years called Creating Fame that's all about using social media and online marketing to be famous in your field, to be the go-to known person in your field for what you do using using these new media tools. So I'm very much all about integrating social media with branding. I love personal branding in particular to, to really connect with your audience. Awesome. So then from there, I know you kind of saw a bit of a problem in terms of people using social media to market. And I've heard you talk about this a bit on other podcasts where you would actually have this spreadsheet strategy that you were teaching your students. And then I, I guess you kind of realized there had to be a better solution. So let's yeah. talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, exactly. So we, the way that we manage social media marketing at our own company 
has had this really complicated giant spreadsheet that stored all of our social media updates, which isn't really a great format for storing social updates. You know, you can't really do images if they're long. It kind of messes up your whole spreadsheet. And we'd put them in different columns or different categories. And then we would just load them one by one into a scheduling tool, marking off the ones we've used, and then just cycle through them over and over again to have a library of content that we could repurpose. And it was a lot of manual labor and a lot of grunt work. And it seemed really odd to me that the tools weren't doing all this grunt work, especially that the tools weren't saving the updates in a library. I mean, I'm still surprised now that that Edgar's been around about a year and a half that more tools haven't added libraries at the very least, which is kind of the minimum of our features. But it was very strange to me, like, okay, I'm paying for a social media tool. I'm using a social media tool. Why won't I just save all my updates in the tool? Why do I still have to have the spreadsheet? So... I am not a person who knows how to build software, and I kind of assumed, honestly, that it just wasn't possible, you know, because I thought this is kind of an obvious idea. If you could do this, obviously, the tools would have it already. So I kind of thought, well, like, too bad for me. You just you just can't do it. And I was talking to my husband about it, and he is a Ruby on Rails software developer, which is the language that Edgar's built in and, and most web software. So I kind of told him about this frustration, and I remember he said, oh, I could pull that in a week. And I thought, what? <laughs> Which he was exaggerating, by the way. He actually did build it, and it actually took him about six months. <laughs> but he's, he's confident. Yes, very confident. So that just kind of opened up a whole new world to me. And, I mean, now it's really fun having a software business. Now I've learned that any idea you have for what you can do on the web, you absolutely can build. So, yeah, Edgar really came from our own frustrations of why Why don't the tools do this already? Why don't they repeat your content? I've found that it just doesn't make any sense to create new pieces of content every day for social media for the rest of time. You should really be repurposing your best stuff over and over again. And the tools didn't do that in a smart way. They didn't let you be smart with the different types of updates that you wanted to post and how often. So those are all the things that Edgar does. So just to take a quick step back, I know you've touched on this a little bit, but Can you maybe go into a little bit more depth about why you feel it's so important to be able to repurpose and recycle content that you're producing on social media? Yeah, so we all spend so much time creating blog posts, creating podcasts, creating videos, and the whole idea of online marketing is that you're bringing in new people every day, right? I mean, if you have a business, your business needs that to survive. If you're not bringing in new people, new leads, new customers, you're not going to have a business for very long. So you know that you're getting people to you every day that are brand new that haven't seen this whole library of content that you have spent, you know, your blood, sweat, and tears creating, right? And for most businesses, that back catalog is still very, very relevant. I mean, there's a few businesses, right? If you're if you're writing only about what's going on in the stock market this week, then people aren't really interested in reading about six months ago. But for the vast majority of us, most of our content is still very good and very relevant and very useful. And what most people do is when they have that new podcast, they have that new blog post, a lot of people literally publish it once on social media, and that's it. And, you know, the stats show us that four to maybe eight percent of your audience on on any given platform is going to see any given tweet 
or, or Facebook update. So you put all that work into it. You send it out once. You know, 90% of your audience didn't see it. And, of course, all the people that are new to you are not seeing your back catalog. So it's really, really smart to just have this ongoing cycle, your library of all your old stuff that's just going out over and over again. And it's really interesting looking at your traffic patterns. You know, most blogs, if you look at the traffic and analytics, you see – that first day, there's huge traffic. You know, the first week, it's it starts to trail off, and then it's the long tail after that. It's just no or very few visitors forevermore. But if you send out your blog post regularly on social, you know, with Edgar, you just do the Edgar does this for you automatically, you're going to see regular spikes in the traffic every time it goes out on social. And I just think, you know, you put enough work into your content, your, your content deserves that much. That is, that is so true. And I have to confess, we are so guilty, of, you know, <laughs> so putting, putting so much time and effort into a podcast interview. And, you know, we spend a ton of time on our show notes as well to kind of turn it into a blog post. And then, yes, we get so excited. We maybe, you know, put it on Facebook, pin it, tweet it, and then forget it. about it. So, <laughs> so true. And I'd love to hear from you too, Laura. If you have, you know, maybe your own results and then results of some of your customers of how effective this has been to generate more traffic for them to their sites. Yeah. So, you know, what's kind of funny is we almost, I mean, basically 100% of people who use Edgar see an increase to their traffic from social media. And we very commonly hear, I doubled, I quadrupled my traffic. And what's really funny about that is it's not because we have some like magic pixie dust, you know, in Edgar that gives you more traffic. It's because if you post links twice as often, you will drive <laughs> twice as much traffic. And, like, right. It sounds, it kind of sounds silly to say out loud, but right. It also, it makes a lot of sense. So if you have a blog post and you're posting it once, post it twice, post it three times. Those are just more opportunities for people to see that link, click the link and, and share the link so it can get spread in a larger way. So like, I actually should have more concrete. I think I don't have very concrete numbers because I'm like, everyone <laughs> sees a lot more yeah. traffic because Edgar just does it for you automatically. And what we also see, which is very interesting, and I think it's usually a surprise for people, is when you share the same update, even a week or a few weeks later and definitely months later, it's sometimes uncanny how similar the response will be like if you send something out that gets 10 shares send it out a month later it'll get like the exact same number of shares it'll get 10 shares again it'll drive the same amount of traffic back to your site updates do not seem to decay or or lose value over time i mean they would if you send it out you know every 20 minutes all day long people are gonna start to be annoyed with you then but um even as little as one week later we'll see the exact same results from the same social media update that's really interesting. And related to that, what do you think is the ideal amount of spacing between recycling your posts? What do you recommend? If you have like a month's worth of content that you're cycling through, that's that's a great place to start. Uh, we do have customers, like I said, that do even less, that do about like a week and a half, two weeks that recycles. We try to aim at our company for about three months worth of content. Because, you know, if you have three months worth of content that you're cycling through, you're only repeating 
four times a year. So if you have any concerns about like, you know, bothering people too much, it's it's just not going to happen with four times a year. And you're still making sure to give things regular exposure. You know, if you're using Edgar, it's nice because you can start small. If you have if you have less updates, Edgar is going to repeat them more often. If you have more updates, they repeat less often. So you can kind of add to your library over time. I love that. And every time, you know, you're sitting on, you know, Facebook and you're crafting that, you know, the perfect image and you want to come up with something that's really catchy to introduce your blog post or your podcast episode. I love that Edgar then just saves that so you Mm -hmm. don't have to be creative and witty all over again. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And, you know, Edgar allows you to do that kind of work in batches, which even if you're not using Edgar, I would just really recommend for everyone, you know, taking that time out of the day, especially live several times a day to come up with an image, come up with a headline. It's it's a lot of work. But if you sit down and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this for my last 10 podcasts. I'm going to put together a great image and a great headline and a great little teaser. It's a lot easier to do that in a chunk, you know, have your 10 ready to go and then you can schedule them out with another tool or just put them in Edgar to keep sending. What other kind of general social media strategies do you recommend that people follow? I mean, of course, engagement is so important on social media. So we're talking a lot about automating content. The automation side is what you want to use for just getting the content out. So it really doesn't matter if your content's being posted by Edgar or by another tool or by you on your phone or you live sitting on the computer. You know, your audience doesn't know. They don't care. That doesn't affect them, right, the way that it's sent out. So that's where you want to put software to work is sending out the content. But what software can't do is forming relationships with your audience. And it's called social media for a reason. It It is supposed to be social. So what I love to do is use automation tools like Edgar yourself a lot of time so you're not doing all that admin work and then you can act your live time on social you know sharing talking to people interacting repinning all that good stuff that makes sense for sure I would love to hear too Laura more about what it was like to build a software as a service company you know from scratch and I know you had, uh, you know, a head start with a husband who's a Ruby on Rails designer, but I'd love to hear more about that process because I know there are some women listening who have a great solution, but, you know, they, they just have no idea where to get started. Yeah, so I had never had a software company before. I had never made software before. It was always something that interested me. So, you know, the first thing I want to say is just because you haven't done it before doesn't mean you can't do it. You didn't right? We're, we're moms, right? So you see this with your kids. Uh, when, when they come out, they don't know anything. <laughs> you know? They definitely don't know how to uh, program in Ruby on Rails, right? So, so everyone has to learn all the skills they have. And I hate to see people be like, oh, I'd like to do this, but I don't know anything about it. It's like, well, nobody knew anything about it until, until they did, right? And it, it's learning and it's trial and error. If you are interested in pursuing software and you're not a developer yourself, it's really, really important to have a good co-founder or partner of some sort who is. So what I haven't seen work is going to an outsourced development firm, just kind of telling them your idea, having them be in charge of everything about making the product, because you really need to be more involved in that. Like, this is the core thing that you sell. So just sort of outsourcing it to someone, I, I haven't seen it really 
work well. Um, instead, finding a co-founder who's technical or maybe you want to raise some money, get some money together and, and hire someone to be a full-time partner, member of your team, that that works a lot better. And what a lot of people who aren't technical have to offer is the marketing side. And I think if you're good at online marketing, you don't realize what an important skill it is until you meet developers who are generally horrible at it. (laughs) (laughs) And you see how much help they need. You know, so many developers have created software projects and put them out there and no one buys them. And then they just they're like, well, too bad. You know, (laughs) that one didn't work out for me because they don't know a lot about about sales and marketing and about, you know, content marketing, how to spread the word about what they're doing. So I think a kind of old idea that I haven't really seen to be true is like one person can be the idea person and the other person builds it. The idea isn't really where the value is. But if you know about how to run a business, if you know about marketing and sales, you bring a tremendous value where you can kind of do the marketing and the business side and and your partner can be the technical one uh, building the product. So was that kind of the roles that you and your husband took on when you created Edgar? Was he the technical developer and you were the the marketing genius side of things? Yeah, more or less. I mean, for me, the only difference is that, you know, I did have a whole existing company already. So it's not like it was just my husband and I creating Edgar. Edgar was born from the training company, you know, and all the staff Mm -hmm. on the training company, which we've now just kind of rolled over to the software company. It wasn't just the two of us. You know, there was an entire larger, larger team involved. So I know you've grown Meet Edgar to this crazy amount in the you know year and a half that you've had it what have been some of your best marketing strategies to get new customers facebook ads have been huge for us and this is something that i think most people don't start soon enough i meet a lot of business owners that are loving you know content marketing and social media marketing but they're sort of nervous about doing any kind of paid ads they're nervous about you know losing money wasting money but Facebook ads are just incredible because you're just putting your message in front of exactly who you want to put it in front of. And it usually does take time to kind of figure out the right strategy and maybe to become profitable. But the cool thing is you don't have to spend a lot. You know, you can literally spend $10, $50, $100 and do an experiment. So it's better to kind of start that experimentation early on and then you can ramp up your spend and you can ramp up your budget from there. So Facebook ads have been hugely successful for us. Also just the the fun we have with branding Edgar. We always call Edgar he and he's an octopus who loves to help you with your social media and has some weird hobbies. <laughs> and we just have a lot of fun talking about Edgar. Actually, a bunch of our customers, we noticed in reviews, they would say, Edgar is my boyfriend. I love Edgar. He's my boyfriend. He handles my social media. <laughs> and it's something that totally came from our community. So we started making these Edgar is my boyfriend stickers and sending them out to people and people loved it. So that's that's just been a really fun part of our marketing as well. How did you come up with that idea to make Edgar a thing or an octopus, I guess. Where did that idea come from? Yeah, so we started with the name and the name was basically like a code name we've been using for the project. And then we went through this naming process. And honestly, we were like, well, we can't come up with anything better. (laughs) Maybe we'll just call it Edgar. (laughs) And that's what we did. And I noticed it was sort of memorable and it sort of stuck with people. So Once we had the name, we kind of thought about what is the brand, what is the logo, and I think it was just a sort of obvious extension. Okay, if we're going to go with a person's name for the name of the software, you know, who who is this 
person. And so we had a group brainstorm. I think a few people thought of Octopus just as this idea of like, you know, there's a lot of moving parts and and he's kind of managing it all. And yeah, we just kind of fleshed out like what are the personality traits that that we would want Edgar to have and, and it grew from there. I love that. That's so cute. And circling back a little bit to the Facebook marketing, I know you did a lot of content marketing with your Facebook ads as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, not not for, I have done that, not for Edgar. Oh, okay. For your other business. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you were doing like promoting a blog post to a specific target audience. Okay, but that's interesting. So that, that was for LKR, social media. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And then for Edgar, what works the best in terms of your Facebook ads? I mean, I know obviously you've got to experiment with a whole different, you know, bunches of different targeting groups and kind of see who's responding the best. But do you pretty much say right in the ad, like, hey, here's what this awesome guy will do for you. Come check him out. Or is it, you know, a little more complicated than that? I mean, it's definitely always an experiment, but what we've done early on, which has worked, is just said, here's a new social media tool that you haven't checked out because people who are interested in managing their social media professionally, they really like seeing new tools and and what's on the market. So that's a very straightforward message that's been really successful. Just here's a new social media tool, check them out, you know, linking, linking to our homepage. We'll definitely continue to get more sophisticated with specific landing pages for different campaigns and things like that. But we actually haven't done much of that so far. It's, it's really been pretty straightforward, the, the Facebook marketing. I love that. And now my next question, we are actually right now I'm doing Facebook ads for our, it's called the Brilliant Business Planner. So it's, you know, it's a a lower priced product, but we're doing some Facebook ads and targeting. And so one thing I'm curious about is the cost per customer acquisition. It seems like that is so tricky. And, you know, it's pretty much the the crux of whether your ad campaign is going to be successful or not. Did you know right off the bat, here's the limit of the cost per customer acquisition that we can have and we can't go above that? And Or was it a bit of trial and error starting out because you weren't sure how long a customer is going to stick around and keep using your tool? That's a really great question. Yes, we did have a clear answer for that. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think this is another thing that leads a lot of people astray. So, people will often base the customer value on what's called lifetime customer value. So if you're a subscription like we are, yeah, it's what's the estimated lifetime. If you're an e-commerce store, it's like what's their total spend going to be. Uh, There's a huge, huge problem with lifetime value, which is that it takes a lifetime for you to earn that money. Uh, And I think a lot of people don't really consider that. And if you are a bootstrapped company, that's not going to work out for you because you don't have that much cash sitting in the bank where you can wait for three years to return the money from those Facebook ads. So if you haven't, you know, raised funding and you have these millions of dollars just cash reserve, what you need to do is you need to set a limit for how long you can afford to be out that money. So for Edgar, we use three months. You know, most of our customers stay for longer than three months, but we can't afford to to pay for Facebook ads for, you know, two years in advance and then wait two years 
to bring that money back, but we can afford to have a, a three-month window where we're out the cash waiting for it to return. So that's what we use. So for Edgar, you know, it usually costs $49 a month. So three months is about $150. You know, obviously, the lower the customer acquisition costs, the better. But that's the kind of number where it's like very, very ballpark where like the math, we're looking to make the math work out. Wow. To me, that seems like a big number for the cost of of an acquisition, but you're in a whole different league, I suppose. <laughs> well, it just, yeah, it just depends on how much you make. I mean, if you're selling chairs for $10,000 each, then if you're spending $5,000 on a customer, again, you know, that's not a lead, that's a customer. So mm-hmm. obviously leads are very different. Not all your leads turn into customers, but tracking all the way through to customer, you know, it just needs to be enough margin for for you to make money. I think that's too where, you know, so many up and coming online entrepreneurs are doing so well so quickly because they do the math and they have, you know, a premium product that costs more. And yeah, so they're able to pay a bit more for that cost per customer acquisition. That's, I, I loved your advice though. That, that was perfect on, you know, you don't want to wait a lifetime. So that's really smart. You also just mentioned that you bootstrapped creating Edgar. Mm -hmm. And I read that you even turned down some funding options Mm -hmm. that you could have had for Edgar. What was your reasoning behind that? Yeah, this is something that I considered, considered a lot, you know, do I want to raise money for this company? And I'm really glad that I did. That really turned out to be the right decision for me for a lot of reasons. I mean, one reason is that when you raise money, you have bosses, you have people on your board that have voting rights in your company, you have people that you need to please with how you run the company. And that's not why I I got into business for myself. I also really wanted to focus on building a profitable company. You know, often when you raise money, the idea is that you raise money and use it to grow as large as possible, raise and grow, raise and grow. And it can be a real trap that you get yourself into where you have a company that you don't actually need money from customers, you need money from investors. And now that's how you're spending all your time is looking for that money from investors. And that just didn't sound like a fun way (laughs) for me to spend my time. I would much rather make a product that is worth the money for a customer that they say, yes, I'm happy to give you my my $49 a month for all the value that you're providing. Um, And I didn't want my only goal to be selling the company. I mean, whether or not that happens at some point, who knows, but I'm much more interested in building a great place to work, a product that customers love rather than just creating something and and selling it a year later. I love that. I think kudos to you for knowing what was going to work best and knowing your mission and your, your vision for your business. And clearly it was an excellent choice. So I'd love to hear a little bit too, Laura, about the team that you've managed. I mean, you've grown Meet Edgar to be successful. It's it's doing so well, but you have a remote team that's working mm-hmm. for you. And we we definitely have a lot of listeners who work with VAs or are thinking about doing that, thinking about building a team remotely. So I'd love to hear your tips. Yeah. So our team is 15 people now and everyone works from their own home. We don't have any central office. 
my advice for people kind of starting out with building a remote team is actually kind of controversial. And I know that there are VAs listening and it's not that I love you and you have a great, (laughs) that I don't love you and you have a great business. Um, But I would actually really tell people to avoid VAs and think more about building a team of people who are really on the team. And that doesn't mean they have to be full time. They can be part time, you know, maybe like, obviously, we're on a mom podcast right now. There are so many really talented, really smart people who have young kids, they want a flexible schedule, they want to be able to work from home. And they're not necessarily professional VAs, they're just looking for some some part time work. I mean, that's just, it's such a huge untapped market that the moms that we hire at my company have the most incredible talents and incredible resumes because, you know, work from home is so exciting to people that it's a scam. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if you Google work from home, like people are so into trying to find a work from home job that the most of what you find is is scams. So if you have a legitimate work from home job that is very, very compelling for people, And the reason that it's nice to work with people who are on your team versus a VA is you're just kind of all working towards the same goal. And again, it's not like a VA isn't going to do great work for you, but they have their own business. So obviously their priority is growing their business. And if they want to grow, they need more clients. You know, they need to add more VAs onto their team. They need to raise their rates as opposed to someone who just works with you and can stay with you long term and really get to know your business, you know, maybe rise through the company. The woman who heads up our customer service team, she is a mom with a one-year-old and two other kids, older kids too. She started out part-time. She had been doing like telemarketing from home because she needed to work from home and that was the only kind of job she could find, which is just like an insane waste of her talent. Yeah, she started working with us part-time. Now she's full-time. Now she runs that entire department. You know, I love cultivating those kinds of relationships where people can grow with your company as you get bigger. And it's just not really possible with a VA most of the time. I love that you're tapping the talents of moms who want the flexibility of working from home. But to play devil's advocate, have there ever been situations where maybe the mom angle and the working at home angle has kind of been tricky with, I don't know, deadlines mm-hmm. or sick kids or, or that sort of thing? Yeah, it's a good question. And and actually what I've found is a little bit of a a paradox. You want people who are looking to work from home, but, but you don't want that to be the main reason that the job is a match for them. And this is something that comes up in all of our job applications. We'll ask, like, why do you think you're the perfect fit for this job? And people will write, well, I'm the perfect fit because I really, really need to work from home. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, no, I was kind of looking for, like, the value you were going to add to the company, not, like, your own needs. Yeah. Um, Oh. I have to work in my pajamas, right. so I'm a perfect fit. For right. You. So it, it's definitely a delicate balance because, yeah, there's definitely an issue of people who, you know, a lot of people have the wrong idea from work from home. They think it's like not a real job, which is obviously not the case. But there's lots of people like when we hire for our customer service team, like we're looking for someone who has a strong background in customer service and, and who genuinely loves to do customer service. Right. We're not just like, oh, we just need like a random mom staying home looking for some typing work. 
work to do, you know? So there are people that have these skills and, and are passionate about this area, and they also have a great you know, situation where they're they're looking for a, a match for our situation, which is we hire people who work from home because we don't have an office, right? So we need them and they need us, and we are able to offer more flexibility. So we've actually kept most of our customer service roles part-time solely because we find better candidates that way because we do find moms who are looking for those types of hours and it works really well in customer service especially because you actually want people on different shifts right you want someone on early in the morning you want someone on in the evening and it doesn't really matter if people need to move around their day I mean we do have regular working hours it's not just kind of like randomly show up whenever you want but if someone needs to take an hour off the front and add an hour onto the back it it really doesn't matter and it's just like okay we'll just have extra coverage for that other time which which kind of works out anyway Yeah, that's great. And you brought up an interesting point about how some people view working at home as not like real, like (laughs) not a real job. It's not something serious. And I was so surprised the other day. I heard a dad talking about another dad. And he was saying in a very negative way, oh, well, he works from home. So he (laughs) has nothing else to think about. And that's why he's going all crazy about this issue with the kids like there was this whole like issue with with kids and things like that but I thought it was interesting that that was the perception that this other dad who worked outside of the home Mm -hmm. thought that it wasn't a real job with the dad who worked from home was doing because I live in the working from home is very much real Mm so I was flabbergasted it was really interesting to hear hear the conversation yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you know, there's people that are on this whole online business thing, and they totally get it. And then there are people, I mean, I see this, you know, sometimes I visit like these mom forums, and, and you see people being like, okay, I need to watch my kids all day, you know, but I also need to make money. And it's like, no, like, you can't, like, <laughs> you can't work and watch your kids at the same time, you can integrate them easier, you know, by working from home. But like, no, you cannot work for eight hours and just have no one watching your kid. I mean, I guess if they're older, they can just watch TV the whole time. I don't know. I'm sure sure people do that. But, yeah, it's not just like, oh, someone just gives you money for watching your kid. Like, no, you're actually doing a real job from home. I'd love to hear just a little bit more, too, Laura, about how you find the talented people that are on your team. Yeah. So, I mean, the best way to attract great people is to have a really great company with with a really great culture. So, I mean, we don't do anything unusual as far as how we source people. It's just like job listings, job boards, the the typical stuff. But, you know, we really sell people on what a great culture we have, which is everyone you're going to be working with is really kind, really intelligent. We don't have any workplace drama. Everyone's accountable for their own job and and they're all really good at it. So you're not going to have people like dragging you down like, oh, she didn't, you know, she didn't do her part again. I have to, I have to make for it. And, and we are very family friendly as well. You know, something that I like to tell my team is like, we make, we make social media software. We're not, we're not saving lives. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so if we have a release that was supposed to go out this week, but it, it goes out next week, like it just, it's not the end of the world. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like our work isn't important to us. It's, it's very important to us, but we kind of view it in a relaxed atmosphere. We don't have, we don't pull crazy all nighters and we don't work in the evenings or on the weekends. You know, we believe in having your work day and getting great work done and then unplugging after that. 
I love that perspective, Laura. And I have to say, I don't think a lot of CEOs have that that balanced perspective of what they do. Like you said, you know, you're not you're not saving lives. You do have an important mission, but I think many people in their lines of work forget that you're not saving lives. It's okay. <laughs> Everything is not a catastrophe. Right. That is so true. I was curious, Laura, how has your work changed since becoming a mom? How have you had to adjust and change things? Yeah, I mean, there have been there have been big changes. So first of all, I took off three months maternity leave, and I had never taken three months off work before. I mean, you know, like most people since I started working, right? So that was really cool to be able to take three months off entirely and, and see my company grow, you know, see our revenue grow, see everything grow while I was gone. And that was definitely very, very rewarding to see that I had done a great job, you know, setting up setting up a company like that that could do that because that had been a goal of mine for a long time. And actually, like a little anecdote for that I was talking to Sarah who's the woman who kind of runs like the day-to-day operations of my company I was talking to her about when I got back and I was like where did you feel like you know where were the big gaps in my absence and she thought about it and she's like well we didn't have anyone to do podcasts and I was like <laughs> oh, like, like be interviewed on podcasts and she's like she's like yeah you're really you're really good at that and like you always know, give we just we didn't have any of them while you were gone and that like that was really a that was really a hole in our <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, that that's it. Okay, well, I'm back to do the podcast now. <laughs> so, you know, it was kind of funny, but it was actually pretty great to hear, you know, mm-hmm. that, that we have set up these, these really talented people doing, doing great at their jobs where things obviously don't fall apart when I'm gone. So that was a big change. And, and now I just work part time. I work 8am to noon in the morning and, and I don't work in the afternoon. I do me time, family time, whatever time. So that's definitely something different, you know, directly as a result of, of being a new mom. It sounds like you've done an awesome job setting up your company to run smoothly if if they didn't miss you as much as you were hoping right. for when you were on your maternity leave. But good job. That's great. Well, Laura, this has been so much fun. We've learned a ton about social media and starting and running a software company, which has been really cool. As we wrap up, we always love to ask this question. Do you have either a funny or adorable mom moment that you could share? Yes. So, you know, you warned me this question was coming, so I thought about it. Because my son's only nine months, so, like, he doesn't talk yet, so he doesn't, like, do that many things yet. So my moment is actually from when I was pregnant. We had the the 20-week ultrasound, and if anyone doesn't remember, that's, like, the big one where you get to find out the sex, and you also – they also do a screen for, like, a lot of major health stuff and and make sure your baby's healthy. So we went to someone we had never met before to do the scan – And so as soon as we walk into the room, he's like, okay, I need to tell you, you know, everyone comes here excited about this appointment. You know, they're, they're thinking about finding out the sex, but this today is about a lot more than that. And I need to tell you that, that 20% of the people that I see in this room, their, their baby has a birth defect. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I guess I'm ready. And then as he went through, he told us the, like, potential health problems of every part of the body. So he would literally go, 
would go, okay, now I'm looking for the kidneys. He'd be like, you know, the kidneys, they're, they're a real delicate thing. Not every baby, you have to have kidneys, but not every baby has them. So looking, <laughs> like, looking for the kidneys. And then he'd like pause and he'd be like, there they are. All right. There they are. <laughs> I remember for the ears, he's like, now we're looking for ears. He's like, had a baby in here just last week. Only one ear. <laughs> and there was this like dramatic pause. He's like, here's one ear. Okay, there's the other ear. <laughs> and it was this like this completely harrowing experience. I don't know. He was so crazy, and I don't know who told him this is a good idea. Like, oh I guess he got in his head. Oh, people are so disappointed when they find out a problem. I better like if only I warned them in advance. Oh my goodness, that's like a sitcom episode. I know. He is totally in the wrong profession. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. And Laura, I used to be a nurse, so I'm just like thinking to myself, I can't imagine. I mean, we like wait till the last minute to like tell the family, you know what I mean? Like you wait until you have all the information and then you you go in and tell them, oh, that's, wow, that that is pretty funny. That would have been traumatic, but it's hysterical hearing about it now. Hysterical. Luckily, he didn't have any problems, so like I could laugh about it pretty soon afterwards, but it was just, it was not what I was expecting to happen that day. Oh, and the thing too is like okay if your child receives a diagnosis it's going to be overwhelming regardless like it's going to be shocking and difficult and overwhelming so like there's no that strategy is not helpful (laughs) in any way no not not in any way he was a weird guy too he was all like he was very like bitter about the medical profession like telling me he's like most doctors i remember there was like he's like most doctors would tell you there's a problem with your cervix but it's actually fine (laughs) what does that mean oh my goodness that that guy needs to go up on like i don't know a late night TV show or something, and I I don't know. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I used to have a friend who's pregnant go in with like a hidden camera. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. What was that called? Candid camera yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. Well, I don't think they do that anymore. That is too funny. Well, one more time for everybody listening, Laura. Could you tell them where they can find you online? Yes, so you can find Edgar at meetedgar.com, meet Edgar on Twitter and on Facebook, and you can find me on Twitter at LKR. Great. It was really great getting to talk to you today, Laura, and we definitely learned a lot from you. So thank you so much. Thank you. For the show notes, head to brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash BBM122. I can't believe that Thanksgiving is almost here. And with the arrival of Thanksgiving comes very quickly Christmas and then the end of the year. It seems like 2016 is coming very quickly. If you know you need to be more planned and more organized in the next year, then I would recommend checking out our 2016 Brilliant Business Planner. You can find it at brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash planner or in our Etsy shop, which is Brilliant Business Mom on Etsy. I personally use our planner every day, and it helps me to prioritize and stay on top of my most important tasks. It helps me to plan my week and know what's going on with my business and with my personal life. 
Plus, it keeps me focused on goals for my personal life and goals for my business. So if you're in need of a planner to be your brain for 2016, check out our planner. See if it would be a good fit for you. Like I said, brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash planner or in our Etsy shop, brilliantbusinessmom.etsy.com. We can all use a little bit of help to get more organized and stay more on top of things, can't we? I hope you're having a great week. Now it's your turn to head out there and be brilliant.